0: This is Shaco Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. I'm Gareth Blackwell with my co host Ryan Lanterio. And this week we're just going to be talking about what it is that we do, um, what the gallery is about, the plans we have moving forward, and just getting a lot of insight from Ryan on uh, how a lot of things have developed. Um, so I guess we'll just start off uh, real easy, Ryan. Why don't you uh, kind of unpack a little bit about what the gallery is, what it's about? what the vision for it is and how you see it kind of fits into Richmond.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I think, uh, there's a lot of, I get questions like that a lot. One thing I like about what you said was, um, you said unpack and I like to unpack gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, uh, you know, there's like, there's all the hopefully good things inside the gift. Uh, like, but at a minimum, you know, unpacking is a lot of fun. Yeah, so um you know, that's kind of cheeky, but I do think about the arts and culture or the arts or uh, different uh productions and and creations and offerings as gifts. And I, and I often say that gifts are uh best when given. I mean, getting them is great, but giving them is wonderful. And I don't think anybody when they've given somebody something has ever felt terrible about it when they've truly given it to them. You know, I mean there's something really yeah, undeniable yeah, about seeing uh someone else built up or delight delighted in your the the gift you've given them, right? And so, um, you know, Shaco Arts space is uh there's a long story to it. Um and I'm sure we'll talk about it at different points. It'll just kind of come up, you know, because I think it, it just kind of weaves into a lot of the conversation. But you know, it started at a time when I was teaching at VCU and uh, fresh out of well, I was out of grad school in 2009, my second master's degree, um, and uh, had a lot of experience in Sacramento uh, running a gallery, uh, start like working at running a gallery attached to an art store, and then me and some buddies made a gallery in between our studio spaces. We like stripped down. Uh, like 150 years worth of paint, Gosh. and made these like these wood floors come alive that mm-hmm. were just like covered in literally like 100 and something years. It's an old fish fishing hatchery, like, mm. and so we made this little space as a joke, <clears throat> while simultaneously doing like a more real gallery myself over in um at Utrecht this art store and uh, a gallery literally next door. So I was getting like real experience running something. And you know, I was making art. My my chief concern is making art. But we were having really great critiques in school, really great dialogue, really solid community. And then, you know, we made this joke gallery, we called it the white rhino. We we're kind of making fun of what some people maybe call toxic masculinity mm-hmm. now. You know, so we were we were poking fun at that like in two thousand two or three, you know, so um um but what happened was it quickly turned into a real thing. People wanted to the show there. Yeah. You know, and so we're like, whoa, like that didn't take much, you know, to make that happen. And so, um, fast forward, you know, moved to move to Richmond, started working at VCU and helping curate shows for students. I did that on Broad Street for like a year and those shows blew up. Like there was this little window space where we do like you'd have like twenty students from VCU's art foundation's program, and we would do a show a month and those blew up and then they got they got they, they were fantastic they got a little wild and um uh, basically shut down the apartments above shut us down cuz the shows got too wild but it was kind of like a kind of a cool thing you know like i think it was like a badge of honor like people were like well these shows were so intense and crazy and but really good ambitious and i got a, i got an, a lot of experience over the years kind of curating and organizing shows and that's just like a few kind of like hallmark touch touch points for me and so fast forward you get done with school and i actually had some health issues so i couldn't use my hands and there was the prospect that i wouldn't be able to make art anymore and so i had this experience critiquing art love talking about it uh chiefly uh, i'm a painter so you know my love for painting or whatever but you know leave school still teaching and i couldn't use my hands like i I had like uh it's a long story about what it was and, and how it went away but um, it's kind of mysterious, but, you know, my hands were like in bandages. Like I couldn't yeah. use them. I couldn't zip my pants. I couldn't open doors. It was getting really bad. So can you can imagine teaching art, teaching drawing, things like that and not being able to demo? Yeah. Um, and so there's a building. It was an old laser quest building right. around 2011 that popped up and, uh, several different kind of unlikely groups of people came together and, and, um, you know, uh, well, we got into this space, and uh, an opportunity was presented to me to, you know, do do art shows. And the space was pretty dilapidated. And so I was like, you know, I'm working at VCU, and, and I respect the quality that is associated with the university, you know, that mm-hmm. being a part of that. So I was like, for me, I wasn't going to do publicized shows. Um, but I knew that critiques were a thing that people were interested in. And so... Um, and I love the, the dialogue around the arts. So in 2011, we started doing open art critiques, which is something I had done in Sacramento, and it worked. You know, like we were getting anywhere from 12 to 50 people a night, 40 people, 35 people, sometimes four, five, six people, but it it was consistent every two weeks, looking at three people's art and uh, doing out of that did some pop up shows, just like some you know uh, shows that. Uh, had no expectations, it's just a platform for people to show work. And so it built kind of a groundswell, started to gain support, you know, financial support, interest, and uh, realized that people were looking for something like people wanted to be a part of something, you know, and started to observe the kinds of opportunities where like, where are the gaps in Richmond's kind of cultural makeup and uh, how might those gaps be filled? Um, so part of it was just born out of the fact that I did I love art, you know, my wife and I, and, and we didn't know, well, what do you do if you can't make art? So fast forward a little bit, and uh, shows are happening, critiques are popping off, and I can make art again, but now I've got this thing I don't want to let go of. So I'm healed up, I can actually paint, thankfully, there's no, uh, there's a possibility that I was having a severe reaction to plastics, like there's like a lot of, you know, there's still some health health stuff there, but... Um, but you know, so now I'm, you know, be able to paint again, but I don't want to lose this thing. And now I'm working at VCU full time. And so I'm trying to figure out how to balance these things and the city's changing. And, um, you know, my wife and I would talk and, and it's like, you know what, if we're going to do this, we've got to make the space right. Cause I, I, like I said, I want it to be a positive reflection on, you know, it needs to be qualitatively rich. It, it, it I don't, I, I want the standard to be as high as it can be um, to, to sort of, um, and I, and I don't want to do it in a desperate way. I don't want to just, um, throw shows together last minute. You know, if we're going to do this, it's going to be something that people can, can be proud of or feel like they could be a part of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've seen a lot of, um, uh, galleries go, go away very quickly, pop off very quickly and leave very quickly. And so trying to figure out like what actually would help make this work. So, um, in 2016, we've, Space was developed up and we, we launched our first show with Blade Win, which was like kind of 2015, 2016 as Shaco Art Space. And then um, it kind of just took off from there, you know, um, as just like a background story, I guess. I don't know. I That's a little bit. No, that's vague good. Still, I, think, but, I mean, yeah, with that, some things I'm
0: starting to think of as you're talking. Um, you know, you've got experience in multiple types of galleries. You've been. You've been a painter for a while, so you've been a part of kind of now both sides of the gallery space. Um, So within that experience, like what are some of those, I think, like the key building blocks of like a solid gallery Mm -hmm. in in your view and your experience that if they were taken away, the gallery would just never
1: have a chance to be successful? What are those building blocks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I had a, uh, excuse me, I had a... um, great opportunity working with the the then director of of um our foundations jack risley He's a brilliant man and um we got to work on a class called art um, worlds and in that class we talked a lot about um spheres of influence and uh you know whether that be city uh district in a city um you know all these converging factors intersecting factors so you got Economics. You got upstarts, nonprofits. You know, you got your top tier blue chip galleries that tons of money flows through, and in, in everything in between. And what activates these spaces? And then you have your your curatorial bent. You have your you know, directors bent towards what they prefer. And you know, you have galleries that it's determined. You know, some of what they show is determined by sustaining the space itself. You know, so there's a, a certain percentage of work that maybe someone wouldn't exhibit, but they do because it, it's it's a necessary thing in order to sustain the space. Like there's work that's more sellable, right? Okay. Yeah. And um, you know, and there's a lot of friction and conflict in people's minds about this. Like how do I support this? And you have your nonprofits and, and they're supported different ways and grant money and private donors and, you know. And so um for me, uh I wanted to go the nonprofit way. Um you know, I wanted I wanted the freedom uh to curate shows and build something solid for the long haul. So we had like a 50-year plan. And for me, I've approached this, and I don't know if this is the right way, it's just the way I've done it uh, from an artist's perspective. Like, how would I want to be cared for? Right. Or, yeah. you know, yeah, like, so like, for me, it's the size of the space. It's the scope of exhibition space that's unusual. And I feel like a lot of times a space like that is not something everyone gets to see their are working. Just the pure fact that you can see your work from multiple angles in over 2,000 square feet of space that breaks off into three gallery zones Mm -hmm. uh, where you could stand in the center of the gallery and there's all these different architectural features and aspects of the space that are really interesting unto themselves. Um, But it gives you these these sight lines and this experience of seeing your work and and being immersed in your work and therefore also then getting to see others immersed in your work that I think is rare for artists unless you're exhibiting in in a museum and not everybody is, you know? So for me, um, thinking about everything we do as much as I can from the basis of being an artist. So what do artists need, you know? And um, we started to do the shows as longer shows. So we've done a lot of shows. Like if you go on the website, a lot of shows are missing. There's years missing. That's just because the shows were group shows, and you know they were uh, they weren't really recorded or documented. It was they're from a season where we were just doing things, experimenting. And then I refined it to four shows a year for now. Um in order to give artists time uh with work out of their studio, give us time to develop this well and in a non-desperate way. And to provide uh the city opportunity, ample opportunity to see the work. And it's worked out, you know, it's it's like I think at most we'll grow to six shows a year. At our primary space, and but you know uh, this has led to our new space we got, so um, in our new space, we'll do project exhibitions that will run a different uh, calendar variable or whatever you know interval, and so um yeah i think I think the I think the keys for us has been really knowing the artist. Like I said, you know, last episode, like it's important for artists to be, to know and be known by each other. Great. So I can't just say that, we can't just say that and not believe it. So I'm trying to, I've been doing this for years and saying that for years. So everything that I've done is, tr- is trying to bring people together. Um, uh, the critiques to bring people together. Like how can you know what someone's doing unless you sit long enough to get to know them? And how can you be known by them unless you sit long enough for them to get to know you? and And then we can see what we can do with that how can we how can we work together? Partnerships um, and also investing in artists after the exhibit. so as a nonprofit, artists aren't going to be staying you know in our staple or something like that. Um, but we will you know I champion everyone that we've shown and continue to, and doors continue to open for artists after the exhibit here. so for me it's it's like total care and enduring care. you know I always tell people if we're friends, you know we're friends till I die yeah so if you're my student we you're we're you know i'm here i'm I'm unless you were completely mean you <laughs> a total <laughs> jerker and you hated me uh which is very possible i guess um you know i basically i you can call on me for the rest of my life and you know as uh, if you ever need help and if i can help um so if if my goal is to know and be known uh and you multiply that out, then there should be a multiplication of community that flows from this gallery that increases the plausibility of people um, having a chance to know new people that benefit each other in a mutual sense you see you know what i'm saying like, definitely yeah so this so I, yeah i know i'm rabbit trailing here but no i think it's good because uh, i mean the
0: the place where our relationship really started was at those critiques. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's true because I showed up in Richmond about 2011 Yep. and uh, I don't know if they had been rolling or they just started. Um, but that's where we really got to get to know each other and hang out more. And looking back on all the people that passed through those critiques in those couple of years, um, there are people that have been developed that were there coming in that were thirsty for like, wanting to know more and how to do it better and, yep. and how to, you know, improve their work, um, that have even shown in the space, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, it's been fantastic to see like
1: what that care looks like, but also to see the development of these folks over That's right. that long period of time. Yeah. I think time is a big, big part of it. I mean, like, so you got people that in, out of that time have gone to grad school, um, in, in our having massive influence. Like, you know, we just talked with Chino and Chino's one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all really good friends and uh, he's more like family. And, um, you know, he, he, I mean, we were doing those critiques back then and now he's finishing up his MFA Or and we mentioned Ian before and, mm-hmm. and Eli and uh, the, those guys are doing all kinds of incredible things now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of people that have come through that have actually gone on to do more um, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I actually haven't thought about it enough, but yeah, like, yeah, it's cause you almost take it for granted because we're all, there's a, there's a, there's the thing, there's a close knitness, uh, camaraderie and an accessibility. So if you're new, you're welcome, you know, you're welcomed in. Um, now, you know, like anything, it takes time to get to know people, so you can't rush that, but we're not, you know, hopefully we're not going anywhere. So, um, the better... People can kind of be around and see things, the easier it is for them to kind of understand what we're doing and, and maybe how it works and how it can be helpful
0: I think that's yeah. real that's real uh real big because the the idea of like uh patience and impact like mm-hmm. they're 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 together right, right? um uh, we can't we can't have impact uh within a culture if we're just willing to give a few minutes um and it's strange right because yeah it's difficult i think a lot of times for us to think about scope um but you're talking about, like, you know, foundations of Shaka uh, Art Space yep. in 2011. Yep. We're sitting here in 2019. Right. And we're at this place now where, you know, in
1: conversations we've had, in some ways it feels like it's just getting started. Yeah, that's you the know? way people see it. Like, like it's like, oh, it's just getting started. And right. I can even get swept up in that and forget. Sometimes other people have to remind me, oh, you've been saying you're going to do an art journal since 2011 or 12. Or we're going to do, you know... Um, a residency. I've been talking about a residency for years, and none, you know, and none of these things are like new and in, in statement, right? But there's the way they fit into this particular uh, city, and and then and there's the way that that possibly can can reach outside of the city in a kind of um, I always use like like a, a pipeline or a mutually beneficial way. So the, the the mutual enhancing of one another is like a, a thing I think about a lot. The distinctions and diversity of particulars uh, can push against each other. So different cities, different gallery types, different institutions. So it's not a competing, you know. So I've I've come to this not in competition with, or not to be critical of per se, but to uh, plant another tree in the forest, or to you know plant another flower in the garden. You know another set of crops like that, that can live in the soil and bring more, you know, at, that that can be additive and generative, if you will. And so, yeah. So on the one hand, uh, it's been a lot of foundation laid in the relationship building. Like, I mean, if you look back at our shows, I feel really good about those shows, these shows that we've had, every artist has been incredible. Right. And all the shows, I mean, it kills me that, well, we don't get more people seeing the shows, but you know, like, we get a lot of people seeing the shows, but it's like, oh, gosh, everyone should see this show. That's how I right. feel about yeah, it. you know. And so, um, and what we have coming is incredible. Like, it's just, it, it's just blowing up. So, um, the timing, I had a three-year plan from 2016, and I thought, if we were successful, we'll know because there'll be certain doors that open up to us. Mm-hmm. And so, here we are with the podcast. Yeah. We're working on the journal. We've got this huge proposal going out. We're looking at, you know, financial partners. We've added another space of sixteen thousand, or sixteen hundred. I wish sixteen thousand. That's my Freudian slip towards <laughs> wanting to create it like a museum. But, um, but we have sixteen hundred new square feet with two studios. It's going to be our, you know, we're in our uh, provincial recording studio right now in the back that we're developing out. So if you hear any strange noises, there's work going on and we're getting uh, new things are happening. Yeah. Um, so we're we're working out the space and uh, progressing towards the classes that we've talked about and uh um the writing classes, the collector classes or programs, the um professionalizing program, the design program, and I'm really excited about the the, the writing program in the journal. Um new our website's being redeveloped. Uh shout out to Mike Clapp for doing that. And Ooh, um cool. yeah, gosh. And so uh here we are in you know, we're booked out in shows for a while. Yeah. You know? Um so uh, it frees us to start to do more of what I envisioned years ago, um, with more confidence now. Like like people are coming around that actually are inspired by and excited and want to be a part. And that's the hope is that people would want to come along and be a part. There's always going to be naysayers, you know, but because um, we can't do everything, right? And we're yeah. not going to do it towards everybody's liking. Yeah. And there's certain people that operate in certain spheres that maybe are a little elitist. And, and sometimes if you're anti-elitist, uh, that can be a problem for some, not for me. Um, but so we're not going to make everybody happy, you know? Um, but we, you know, but that shouldn't discourage us from, from doing this, you know, I don't know.
0: No, not at all. And, you know, I think kind of to back up just a little bit, um, even your vocabulary that you're using, uh, to describe, um, kind of what's going on, you were saying, you know, uh, generative and additive when you were Mm -hmm. talking about like uh, cultivation Mm -hmm. and it it really does kind of get at this uh this term i think that we've been uh using a lot to kind of contextualize what we do and it is like building an ecosystem right understanding that like a single gallery is not an end in of itself correct um and so what are the uh i don't know what are the the parts in that ecosystem that you think are are not as strong as they could be um, in terms of, uh, I don't know, even like programs that could be developed sure. that could help out to, to make the, the ecosystem just flourish much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a tricky – okay, so
1: <sighs> I feel fortunate to be at such a great place like VCU in such a great city like Richmond. Richmond is such a great city. I never moved here thinking that I'd stay here. You know, yeah, me neither. Uh, but but uh, I come from you know I grew up you know poor to lower upper upper lower class lower middle class at points. Um, you know, basically we lived check to check my whole life. Um, you know, apartment living in Southern California kind of thing, and so so. Coming to Richmond, you know, like going to New York was was a goal, but then it wasn't it wasn't tenable for us, for my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And, and um, some people know that we ended up having our first child. Um, I found out my wife was having a baby the night I finished and selling my thesis show. Oh dang! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I uh, so that was like a a thing that, that changed things. I had a show going to Texas. I had a show going to Philadelphia, and I had an opportunity to move to New York and show it show with a particular gallery in New York. So. A bunch of variables were converging and we were like, we're going to go to New York. We had catastrophic loan debt or yeah, um, student loan debt, both my wife and I. And so I don't think we could, we just couldn't have afforded to stay in New York and actually make enough money in, and do anything, let alone do what we're doing here. So here at Shaco Bottom at 2011 was, was not what it is now. This place is growing so fast it's like harder to find parking which we're trying to find an issue for if you come here and you're like where's the parking that is a real thing (laughs) we're trying to figure out and so i've got some gareth and i've got some ideas but um richmond Gosh, I forgot my, I forgot the question. You asked me, asked me the question again. Yeah, pretty much just how do we, how do we make the ecosystem? That's right. Like what yeah, things yeah. do we add to? So, it? so one of the the things about the ecosystem is that, so coming here is there's all this potential, right? Yeah. Yeah. Both in affordability and uh, infrastructure and, and desire, aspiration, you know, the city's aspirational. Um, there is a, a history here that, that needs addressing and, and um, in terms of your racial dynamics that, um, that's close to home for me growing up the way that I did and where I'm from. Um, and so there, so just to say that there's a lot of, uh, variables, there's a great galleries here, uh, but there's not too many, you know, there, there can be more, right? So there's there's the emergence of these things. And then VCU is definitely a game changer, you know, and and the VMFA is incredible. I love the VMFA. I mean, I, I think that, um, museum is, is dear to my heart and, and, I basically come in there and take a deep breath, and I'm just thankful that we have that and it's it's free and um it's wonderful you know and so then you then you add the i c a and I'm eager to see what the i c a brings um you know to the table over the next five years i' I'd, I'd be love to see what the curation looks like, but they're already doing a ton of stuff so you've got all these variables and you've got all these artists coming in and they're they're seeing this and they're like um maybe maybe I can just stay here Right, um, But what I found was people w- didn't know each other. So there's all these great things, but then there's like, well, uh, you know, being an artist is tricky. You gotta support your studio, and then you gotta be your own sort of business person. You gotta, you know, uh, champion yourself, create your own. Some people, you know, would, would carry on as though they're creating their own cosmology, their own philosophy, their own uh, ideology, These their idiosyncratic expressions. And then they gotta translate that to into other languages, so to speak you know they gotta they gotta translate it to an audience. it's difficult, and the world is increasingly complexified it's harder for people to know and be known um and so you see things breaking into tighter units of tribes and types of people and so looking at the the ecosystem as looking at it as raw and then saying how do we cultivate this how do we pinpoint what would be helpful to galvanize these things and so for me some of the big ones where i noticed a lack of critical discourse Mm -hmm. now some people will get mad at me for saying that because because there is critical discourse but sometimes the critical discourse exists at such an elite level that it's for an elite few and if you try to enter it you won't be accepted in yeah because there's a need it's it's like green it's like Greenberg's uh, avant-garde and kitsch. There's, there's still a need to protect this kind of um, air of, uh, you know, what used to be called like avant-garde art, but we don't. No one says that anymore. You know, worth their salt. You know, so you say. You wouldn't even say it that way. You just say new media. You say some other kind of thing to be, you know, just people talking larger, progressive terms. But, um, and I understand the drift to want to preserve the space to increase uh, what we do and, and push it into places that are unknown and experimental. And we want to guard against that. And I understand the need to guard against that because there's an, a, a conservative part of our society that does not understand art at all and is quick to throw out the least understandable things. So there's these rifts, there's these divides or these gulfs. And someone, you know, I started to feel like, well, someone needs to play a go-between. And uh, we need to have conversation that is mindful of the person who doesn't know anything. And it's just coming in. It's like I used to use the illustration like, you know, if you didn't know baseball and you went to a baseball game, a couple of things could happen. You sit down, you start to assess the aesthetic environment, the atmosphere, the collective responses to the event itself. Uh, there's all these conditions, right? And if someone hits a home run, people are going to flip out. Uh, especially if it's the home team. And so if you don't know anything and you see the raw power expressed in the event through the home run hit, and then people's response, it may impress something serious upon you. The question is, where do you go from there? And and so if anyone is halfway interested, they're going to go, what just happened? And so what they're gonna do is they're gonna automatically ask for clarification. They're gonna they're gonna wanna they're gonna look to deepen their understanding, right? And so the person next to them says, Oh, they just hit a home run, they just took the lead or they they tied it up or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, and then from there, if that resonates, then you're gonna ask more questions, right? And so you either will continue to step into the depth of that cultural milieu, or you'll say, I'm not interested. Now, either way that someone responds does not negate the nature of that event. or that cultural milieu, right? It's just to say that we need epistemic access into it. So a lot of people would hold to the idea that there's that that, that modernist idea that the art should speak for itself. And so similar to the home run, you go to the gallery and you see the Rothko and you go, oh, wow. If you do that, you have to ask questions. You go home and you read more books or you talk to someone, you talk to someone at the museum. Um, You step into the milieu or you don't. And so I found that um, for an ecosystem and the way that we're talking about it, you've got to be honest with that fact. So I use baseball as a proxy to say that. Like, you know, uh, there is no cultural expression that doesn't require a deepening of understanding through language. Um, and and we know that because we just do it. Like if you dig a musician and you've, you've consumed their music, at some point you're going to read their biography. Mm-hmm. You want to know about their past to get a better sense of why it is their – they make music the way they do. And if you love someone, you will do that. Hence, every musical documentary that you've ever seen or every biopic that we've watched, you know, there's a reason for that. We, we like to deepen our understanding and then there's tools to do that. So thinking about art requires tools, uh, talking about art requires tools and that impacts artists themselves and designers themselves, but it impacts collectors and it impacts institutions, it impacts businesses, it impacts the average person on the street. So you need to create tools to deepen people's care, appreciation, and understanding, and that means you've got to be cool with a person who says, "I don't get it," and my kid can do it. And we've had people like that that now collect art. You know, six years later, they're like art collectors. So I've seen how time plus relationship plus means that facilitate a deepening of an understanding through writing, through looking, through instruction, through care, through partying together, hanging out together, uh, through uh, uh, kind of a generalized conversation that moves into particulars empowers people and, and deepens their appreciation. They step forward and they collect art. They buy art. They think about art. They feel built up by it. Uh, they want to support artists. Artists feel encouraged. They they start to realize that there's more to this than sometimes just the MFA professors I had, and that's encouraging. You know, you leave your MFA and you feel like you don't get a conversation anymore. So um, I think you know money is there too, but money money doesn't come where vision isn't mm-hmm. and money doesn't come where it's not understandable. So people don't just drop out of the sky and give money to support the arts and uh time and sacrifice. So a lot of artists can't afford to sacrifice their time to do something for the larger good of, of art and design because they're, they're working multiple jobs. They're teaching their every other moment is left to give to towards their work. Right. And then that's their gift that they give to society. And so um, I think my own circumstances taught, you know, being sick for a while and not being able to make art gave me a weird window into how to do both. Hmm. You see, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, at that yeah. time was like a blessing because it taught me how to do things apart from making art. And because my orientation is towards towards the arts, then I then I learned that I could do both. But ha- had that not happened, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, that's like, a lot and not everything. Sorry.
0: No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, and it's and it's interesting, right? Because, um, I mean, I'm I'm coming from the design side of things, so I'm not right. a I'm not a fine artist. Um, and but you, you are fine. <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> but we, uh, you know, we've had conversations where you know there there are definite definite spaces between art and design, mm-hmm. but it's uh, but it's not so definite that they're not related. Totally. So we've kind of talked about. Like, oh my gosh! They may not be like siblings, but they feel more like cousins, mm-hmm. right? So there's shared Kiss Kissing cousins.
1: (laughs) Just keep it weird.
0: (laughs) So, you know, um, so I come at it with a very different viewpoint. And Mm -hmm. so um, a lot of the things that you talk about, it's weird because I feel like I have like one foot where I feel very comfortable within a gallery space and Mm -hmm. one foot where I still have this kind of lineage of design where I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, but that's not my space. That's not my lane. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't roll in that. So. Um, You know, these, these ideas of like, of like access and understanding, like those, those are huge because um, I mean, I've got family members, I've got friends who um, just kind of avoid some spaces because they feel like, well, I I don't, I don't know how to be in there or or talk when I'm in those spaces, Um, which is a shame because, you know, going back to something you say a lot about the arts being pervasive, but not ultimate is that we all have a context for Mm -hmm. this. Like it's not, it's not something that should feel at an arm's length from us Mm -hmm. because we are literally swimming in the water of it every day. That's right. um, With everything around us. Um, So that's, I think, something that's very appealing, like um, why I was always wanting to kind of get more and more involved with stuff is because it felt like there was not a lowering of the quality, but there was kind of a a pulling back of the curtain Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways to say, you know, you probably already understand this more than you think you do. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you do need somebody to just connect those
1: dots a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's the char- charity piece. And mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, it's hard to be charitable if you're condescending. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, like I said, I think a lot of the way I think and and have done things rubs against certain types of people, certain types of very successful people, people in the arts that are like famous um But it resonates with a lot of people that are right there with them, and um you know I think that gets into identity things too like it gets into like and what I mean by identity in this conversation for this point that i 'm making is you know what you put your hope value like you know i think I think about identity for myself it 's like what do I put my hope in, what do I put my trust in what do I put my confidence in what and how do I derive value and oftentimes it 's in what you do mm-hmm. and then in, in it's what you do simultaneous to who affirms it. So if you're exhibiting at Saatchi gallery because you made sculpture and you went to Yale or, you know, VCU the number one sculpture program in the country, right? Um, those are a lot of conditions and variables that have been vetted that signify uh, something about you, right? Uh, I make it super weird, I guess. Um, we that we talk about transcendence. So, what carries that value forward? So, um, lowercase transcendence. Like, how does this? These institutions must uphold this standard in order to uphold the value you derive from it. So, there's a, there's something at stake in between the, the artist and the institutions, right? And it's tricky because you always feel like you're working to earn your your continual place at the top, and um, that can create a, a You know, if you're always like, if you imagine me holding a bucket over my head and in that bucket is uh, my identity, everything that makes me who I am. And then someone else walks up and says, can you, can you help me carry this? Well, it becomes tricky because if I give you a hand, I let go of the bucket. Mm -hmm. If I let go of the bucket, all my stuff falls over. That's what it feels like. Right. So it's hard for people to feel like they're condescending from that point without losing. Um, and that's a big i mean that's a big weird discussion maybe we'll unpack that more another day but uh i think there's a lot of people that are like i need a hand yeah no you know what i saying? think i think it's totally right so i just put the bucket down so i don't i don't think about uh i don't know that what i do is what gives me value i don't think that it does and so uh it's kind of like getting like there's this great scene in um strangers on a is it strangers on a train i love hitchcock so there's this scene where it the film climaxes with the um the these two fighting on a on a, a carousel and the carousel's going out of control. And underneath the so the the scene is these the relationship has been progressing into this out of control thing. This guy's been blackmailed into to um this murder. I mean it's it's a great film. You gotta watch it. And there's this just incredible scene where they're fighting it out at the end on this carousel at a carnival. Carnivals are interesting because they, they originate out of the idea of conflating society, um, creating uh, conflating all the hierarchies, and creating a common language, like in the Renaissance, like uh, like go back and read Bakhtin, like talking about um, these different class systems that have no way to relate to each other, so they create a three-day period where all those values and all those hierarchies are suspended. And now everyone gets to come around and, and communicate with each other and interact with each other at a guttural level with free license to do and act in any way you want to. So here's here's Hitchcock creating this situation in a carnival, you know, in a, an amusement park, which is to negate thinking about things that ah, uh, you know, and just to be a just to to have uh, amusement, you know. Um, and there's this old man with a beard, and he's uh, archetypal, and he he's like the engineer. He knows how to stop the carousel and so he just goes underneath the carousel and stops it everybody falls off sometimes i feel like the old man <laughs> um we've created these environments that uh are amusing ourselves you know and muse would be to, to think deeply on something so mm-hmm. the ah muse the ah is to negate thinking deeply and i feel like we get on these identity ruts as far as, and I don't mean to demean identity, just but it's just to say that um, people are so burdened by proving themselves, and it, and it breaks my heart. You know, I feel like uh, people are just crushed under the weight for approval. And so for me, it's like gosh, we can create an institutional gallery nonprofit space that we always, like I say, ramps up the quality. So you don't lose the quality of the shows. The depth is there, the excellence, whatever you want to call it, however however somebody prefers to speak about it, is really there in an increasing way. Like you can come in and you're you're welcome and you're you know like you're loved you're accepted uh um there's care consideration thoughtfulness and you don't gotta you you don't gotta work, work to earn approval in that way uh, then then that's a good thing so like we can get people off the carousel so yeah. they don't feel like they have to be condescending anymore they don't have to protect their their, their the, the the level of their work and maybe I sound naive saying that but. That's something that we've been trying to do, and it has resonated with people and good people I mean people in these higher higher level institutions are resonating heavily with this, you know no, I think that's fair i mean we we both work with students a
0: lot, so we i think have these uh these spaces where students are uh very honest and open about how they feel like they you know they have a deep passion and desire for a lot of the work mm-hmm. um but they don't always have a confidence in their ability to sustain it. And this, you know, this came up, I think in a couple of the podcast episodes we've already done, Mm -hmm. um, with different artists who have talked about like sustainability in their practice. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's huge. Um, because even what you mentioned earlier about like once someone leaves an MFA, maybe they don't have, feel like they have a good conversation Mm -hmm. or maybe it it feels kind of solitary and Mm -hmm. lonely. Um, I think that's big because, uh, when you see the passion and excitement in students, I think a lot of that is fueled by this community that's developed within school. Um, You know, because some students in the moment, you might be real real tempted to complain about the the level of work required of you in art school um, in terms of time and effort. But I don't think that many people look back on that and say, I wouldn't want to do that again. I think most people in our space are like, if I could get back to that level of, of production and mm-hmm. collaboration and things right. like that. And so I think, uh, you know, as I'm listening to you, as we've talked through a lot of things over the last few months, um, it does feel like, you know, an ecosystem is a place where that community can be established in all these facets you're talking
1: about. Right. And the idea is that not that, so it's to look back and say, you know, like, why do people go to, like, I was just talking to a colleague who is exhibited with us and we were just saying like, you know, like, why do people go to art school? They're looking for that, you know, understandably so, and our school provides that. But then and then they look at, you know, you look at residencies as significant. We talked about that with Nikki and um Painter and um so so there's a continual looking for this um uh, a kind of dynamic flourishing community full of diversity and specificity and distinctness. It's not that everybody's doing the same thing. Um and and uh i think that's like doable and i think it part of it's helping so on the one hand it's the artist right and the designers on the other hand it's the culture the society at large if you will i hate to speak so generally but you know everybody's different and there's varying degrees right. of understanding right so so but in order for the for the conversation just to say you know we like i've said before like um uh i use the quote all the time but the the arts are not the pretty but irrelevant bits around the border of reality Their highways into the center of a reality that cannot be glimpsed or grasped any other way. And the present world is good, meaning there's tons of things going on that are awesome, but broken, or in any case incomplete, in the arts of all kinds helps us to understand that paradox in its many dimensions. And so so getting at this idea that uh, art and design, broadly speaking, deals in everything. The clothes you wear, the books you read, the typeface, the commercials you watch, the food you eat, I mean, things are packaged even when – like to the point that when you see generic packaging for cereal, it has its own aesthetic quality and you either like it or you don't. It's, it, it's not even neutral. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it maybe isn't valuable to you, but it, it's valuable to somebody. Right. Somebody made that. So what isn't made? The plate you eat on, the table you sit, the chair you sit on, like arts and crafts. And so when we create these institutional hierarchies, it's problematic if we can't agree within the institution that all this is valuable. And do away with those hierarchies, how in the world is the rest of society gonna 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 join a board and support this? Mm-hmm. And so they support it intuitively out of a consumer perspective. I need a chair, you know, pra- commodity or pragmatism, like I need the chair, I need the table, I need to wear clothes that make me look better or keep me from drawing attention to myself. Like both of those are functions of design and fashion, right? And um some people hate it when I talk like this because it makes it feel like maybe what they do is being brought down a level. And maybe if it's a bucket that you're holding too high over your head, maybe it is. Or maybe you've been living in a room and thinking it's the whole house. And so when you walk outside of the door, you realize there's more rooms to the house. So the question is, did your room get smaller or did the rest of the space you inhabit is now bigger and unexplored? And um, oftentimes I think that's the case. You know, I think that if you live too hard in your own space you start to dilute yourself into thinking it's everything and then you start to argue for and fight for it that way but you don't lose anything by fighting for uh the pervasiveness of art you actually gain you gain right. you gain the audience widely speaking that is already there already living in that space already utilizing that stuff already intuitively intuitively aware and i don't mean irrational hunch i don't mean i mean they are direct to their conscious that which is present to your mind you are you're grasping it you know you're holding the phone opening the fridge reading the book watching the tv like you're doing all this stuff in a, in an expert level um and to the point that it allows you to not think about it and then you meet an artist and they help you think about it and then you're like oh gosh that requires something of me that's the mutuality if you can so the audience has to be brought to a place where they start to feel a mutual dynamic that is f- for the flourishing, right? The ecosystem piece, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the more people you awake uh, or that are awoken, the woke, the whole woke thing, right? Like the more people that are woke, the more potential for new things to occur, and also the sustaining of of the things that need need to continue to transcend, like museum institutions, right? They're supported. Who supports them? You know, and how how do you generate more and in coming full circle like we see a lot of uh great things happening but you also see a waning of support you see galleries closing in the droves you I mean it's, you see a um you know this this is related to our economy and I'm not an economist so you know not going to drift there too hard just to say that um you see a generation of young people that are struggling with like just their own sphere their own bucket so to speak let alone holding anybody else's bucket up difficult there's uh we have a lot of uh, you know, identity, politics, things that are really difficult that are uh, people are wrestling through and, and um, focused on, understandably so. And um, if you're going to support art and design at a level that it renders one conscious of it, in order to do more with it, it's going to require a kind of sacrifice and a kind of endurance and perseverance, and, and it's going to require setting up means to support that so it's going to require things like a podcast uh uh because people are interested in listening to podcasts and um we're having a backlash where people want to listen to the long form communication because we need depth we can't just live in an, in an emoji field communication world you know um and you need time to to let these things come together you know the arts are not the pretty but irrelevant bits they're pervasive um the the world is good but broken speaks to both it's to say that there's all these great things happening but then there's a stuff that's busted you know we we treat people like crap that we we don't like because they're different than us and we got to deal with that right and 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 there's egregious things that people do to each other um and at a minimum it's incomplete because if it was perfect it'd be complete we'd be living in utopia so we know it's not that right so there's there's work to be done and so thinking not in terms of progress per se but more like flourishing think about gardens is this a season where the garden is flourishing or is it withering and so um, you know you want to you want to care for the garden cultivate the garden culture care flourish it so that more can be planted there the soil can get richer more people can come in and plant in the same soil box we can expand the landscape to to create more avenues to plant more things new things and and that's kind of the mindset I think that I, I mean it's a little cheesy people kind of snicker at it but there is something about gardens you know like on the one hand you can't judge that analogy while also crying out for the importance of caring for our actual earth in the right you know what, you know what i mean yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird like you bump into these elitist categories and then all of a sudden you're not cool with it but they're helpful you know so with that like
0: uh, just kind of getting i guess now changing lanes into like some brass tacks so how is that playing out um in the near future for shocker Artspace, space what are those what are those things that are being added into
1: the garden to cultivate this a little bit more oh gosh that's so scary yeah um i mean it's happening right so uh we have um two studios with two resident artists coming in uh as of this week we're still building out the studios but um that's really exciting i mean that's like a, yeah, a definitely. Long, long-term thing um the exhibition lineup is is solid so you know what's really nice about that is um it's uh developing uh increased care for the artists you know so so I'll say more about that in a minute but um with the new space we are you know with the additional space will serve as a modular space or a a modifiable space where we can do special uh project exhibitions installations um sculpture shows, things that uh, maybe have a very unique and particular curatorial bent to them, Mm -hmm. and we'll be able to bring in guest curators. Uh, So um, uh, that's really exciting, expanding our curatorial range. But also because of what you brought up, the design stuff, I think, for me, art and design have way more in common, which doesn't negate how far from from each other they can be. Right. So, not diminishing that, just saying I think there's more in common. So, um, I want to move us from cousins to direct siblings, you know, um, uh, and say that in the area of design, uh, there's opportunities to help people develop vocationally. And why would that matter? Well, because then we can equip them with tools to professionalize, to move out into benefiting our surrounding context local businesses like not every company um that needs graphic design work done can maybe afford i don't know a certain certain tier of design firm or whatever right or designers or whatever so you know there's like there's a variation of tiers and there's a variation of needs and if we can help with that by getting young designers opportunities then i think that's a great goal because that is beneficial to them that complements the institution they came from, and it enhances the production of the institution, and it facilitates those particular designers' uh, desires to work in a in a more professionalized space. Um, but we can create a dialogue that furthers the inquiry in research and educational discussion on design away from the applied aspect. So we, we can create a space where we'll have dialogues about this, mm-hmm. you know, and including on this podcast and writing about it. So I'm excited about this program. I'm also excited about our mentorship program, uh, dealing with, uh, uh, an urban context and under underrepresented and underprivileged, uh, people in public schools that need. So my big thing is proximity can solve a lot of problems. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know and be known. And therefore, in order to do that, you gotta be proximate and you gotta dwell there for a while to, 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 uh, see how we can work together to help each other. And so, uh, in our design program, which would be like a one-year program, and you can say more about it. Um, you know, we're going to have a mentorship program where we find people that have aspirations to either go to school or work as designers. And I think if we can leverage our sort of privileged resources towards uh, the ends and the hands of people that have not had the same privileges, the same opportunities, um, and take a step back and let them run the show and and cultivate what the future looks like here in Richmond and beyond that would be a win for me. Like if I can, we can make that happen. I mean, in a multi-generational way, that would be incredible. Right. Yeah. Um, And so like, that's, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, you know, we're going to answer this critical discussion need. I I think that the journal is at least the art journal is a three year step. So we have our um, first year will will be um, like one thing missing in Richmond is writing consistently about art and we have a multitude of great things happening and so there's a lot of great avenues so style style weekly's been great like you know richard magazine there's um blog sites like rba mags great um there's there's a lot of efforts and i want to try to help come alongside those efforts and bring 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 more so one thing that we're doing is we're going to be uh launching uh, uh art and design journal it'll start on a website in the first year and you know, got a lot of writers, PhDs from different places coming out of the woodworks that are critical thinkers, critical writers, art historians. We have some young, younger, aspirational writers that are gifted, and we're going to blanket the city with like 26 reviews of shows uh, at a minimum in the first year, mm. in, in 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 an unbiased way, in a sense meaning like we we won't have to be as selective about who and what we write about uh, because we should have enough range to write about a lot of the galleries and and things happening. And so first year, create a blanket or a layer, first layer. Second year, recapitulate that blanket and maybe increase it by a set of reviews uh, online, but then also start to work out some very sizable, critical pieces um, curated and authorized by particularly gifted people uh, that would start to point more towards what you'd expect from an art and design journal. And then by year three, the hope is to then produce a uh, so hard copies so you know uh, that are very distinct in their design and in their expression, uh, each one is its own thing and and that'll start to run independent from what we have online and so we'll have uh, you know two avenues for that and um, which creates you know sort of a space for the other part, which is our writing program that we're going to be doing. Yeah, you know, we have a collector's program and a writer's program that both deal with these issues of how we look at art, how we know things, how we appreciate it. Mm. But the goal with the writing program is to produce more art writers. And part of the key there is is sustaining it. It needs to be sustained. It can't it uh there needs to be avenues for it. And uh and so if we create the journal, then there's avenues for it. So some people think, oh, Are you just gonna write about yourselves? And it's like, no, 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 we're gonna it's a gift we're giving away. We wanna write about yeah. the other great galleries here and the great collectors here and the great mm-hmm. uh curators here and the great directors and the great artists and we want to get into people's studios and we just want to platform the city of Richmond. And if we can do that then we're getting what we want. You know. And yeah. so uh so my hope is we can get um we need, you know, we'll need money to sustain this space and uh the programming. So, you know, I mean like anybody we're going to need support, but I think what we're doing will activate uh, a lot of what other people want to have happen as well. Yeah. So I feel like there's a, a good reason to partner with us, and we've got great writers that will be lined up. We'll say more about that once we kind of announce some more of this formally, but yeah, at a minimum, I mean, and then there's going to be, you know, workshops, like we're going to be doing something called Holistic Artists where we have six different artists lined up talking about different aspects of their practice, and the idea there is to create, a mem- you know, an opportunity for members of Shako Art Space to get access into the vision of what a holistic artist might be or the total artist. Like you think about like the total artist sounds like strong language, but um, you know um, there's so many great people here with so much insight. And so if we can kind of like tap into that and put that together for other people and make it more visible for them, uh, then they can run with that in that ecosystem type of way and do more with it. You know?
0: Um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think really to kind of to wrap us up just this, just a shameless plug, I guess. Yeah. What uh, with all the stuff going on with everything that uh, we've got in motion, um, you know, it'd be in some ways it'd be really disingenuous if we were to say, you know, we really want to build um this community, um, but then not give people avenues into that community. So, in what ways can people really partner with what we're doing? How can they come alongside or help us out in any way with what we're doing? How can they partner with us? Yeah, <laughs> like is there is there possibly anything that might be coming up in the future that people could be on the lookout for that would be a way that they could help us with the vision of Shocker Space? Oh man, what do you think, Gareth? I don't know. <laughs> what I feel are you thinking like, about? I feel like at some point there might be something like a like a GoFundMe. Yeah, that might be yeah, popping yeah. off.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are gonna we are gonna do that. Um, uh, so we're working on a GoFundMe, and. We want to, okay, so here's the thing. We need to be able to to, to keep the lights on, you yeah. know? But we also, just a couple of things that I can tell you that we're looking to support. We want to support the writing program, which mm-hmm. means we want to pay writers who can come help um, run the classes. And we can do some of them, we can't do it all. We want to give honorariums to artists, sizable. So, like, one thing I've said from the beginning is I want Chicago Art Space to be known for its generosity. Mm-hmm. Um I always look at like athletes, they get paid to play the game, Yeah, you know, and artists come to galleries and we end up having to give half our earnings away. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, gosh, you know, it'd be amazing to pay artists like you pay sports teams. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cheesy and I know it, you know, sports analogies sometimes rub people the wrong way, but, but just as a, you know, again, just thinking about, it's like, gosh, I want to be able to give artists sizable uh, honorariums. So they come here and they're like, at a minimum, I'm, Gosh, I'm I am i am cared for because now I can pay some bills while I've been making this work and I can make more work. Right. So we want to give increasingly generous honorariums. We want to give scholarships. Um we want to give a scholarship uh for VCU for um and maybe other colleges, maybe uh Virginia State, maybe um ODU, maybe um Virginia Union, uh scholarships for um young African American artists and designers. That's like that's near and dear to my heart, and I think um, we want to spotlight that and promote that and push that. so that's in the works, which requires help, requires funding, requires money. Um, we want to give a scholarship to art foundations for an, where I teach for um, an excellent drawing portfolio to mm-hmm. kind of promote drawing. I'm a drawing professor there and, and just to kind of kind of uh, find another pipeline to bring more resources, give more gifts away if you will. Um we wanna we want to um produce catalogs, you know, uh, exhibition catalogs and, and books. We wanna um have the resources to support these uh this this uh focus on underrepresented uh students who could use financial resources to actually realize some of their goals and, and, and see themselves successful as an artist or designer. Mm-hmm. Um we wanna be able to support an artist residency writer residency, curator residency, where there are apartments for these people to stay and do work together and separately, both for Chaco Art Space, but also for the city context as a whole, for a sizable amount of time coming from different parts of the world so that they can come to Richmond, sort of marinate in that which makes Richmond wonderful bring a little of their own seasoning if you will uh, to richmond and then take richmond back to the places they come from to create um, avenues that uh, expand richmond's influential scope and bring more artists into view in other places around the world and that requires money you know financial support Um, we have all this stuff detailed i mean we just worked on like a 50-page document so we've been grinding away at this i've been dreaming about this for years we've been talking about this for years Um, a lot of these things are, are happening, you know, um, uh, we, you know, we even just need basic stuff for the space we've got now, you know, just furniture. We need to, we need to get some more things together for the podcast. Um, just even getting the word out, we need financial support to get the word out to people. It costs money to advertise. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's there's I mean there's a lot of different things, but these are some of the key things. Can you think of anything else that we've?
0: I mean, I feel like you've covered most of it. Uh, I think one of the things that's um, that's appealing to me about this is uh, since Shaka Workspace operates as a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. we can really. do a lot of the things that we want because we can act as a conduit so as people are generous with us we are able to completely redirect that into generosity towards yes artists and the things that we want to do to help bolster this community um and i think that's really fantastic and refreshing yeah um because i know that a lot of times a conversation where somebody's like oh we need money right that kind of can seem a little stale yep but it is one of these things where the the money
1: is em- empowerment towards uh, the generosity that we want to embody. Yeah, and what's going on? And and we've already you know I mean the thing is, uh, my heart was always like if I can't steward or care for or cultivate if we can't uh, do you know we've, we've I've put a lot of money into this so like if we if we haven't if we're not already doing it well then I don't you know the idea is that you're getting you're already we're already doing it right yeah, yeah. so this isn't like. Things that are not happening, they've already been happening. It's just to increase it and actually solidify it in, in certain ways. And and I think about, you know, like I think about Shaco Bottom, this mm-hmm. historic area. And I've mentioned this maybe in another podcast, but I'd love to see, I think somebody from the Chaco Bottom area tried to establish Shaco art Bottom as the art and di- or just the design district. And I love that idea. And I'd like to expand it and say, let's try to make Shaco Bottom the Shaco Art and Design District. Yeah, and if I had everything, I'd love to establish an institution or a museum, a non-collecting museum, some kind of larger institution with more uh, ability to spotlight more of Richmond. There's other. There's a Poe Museum here. There's a Holocaust Museum. There's um, there's maybe a third museum. Just drawing a blank on, but there's this great space. There's the train station. There's tons of new businesses. Tons of new people living here. And this is a great area to add the next sort of you know. District, Mm to, where people dwell and have their being and live and and eat, breathe, make culture, and I think if we can create these classes, I mean, we're talking about classes for kids, um, art appreciation classes that I think will have depth to them, Uh, this collector's class I think is going to be fantastic if we can get other galleries to partner with us to help we can help cultivate collectors that will move into um, collecting from other galleries and appreciating art, at the museum, at VMFA and the ICA and so on. Um, I think if we can get this on the map here and um, rally around the rich history of Chaco bottom where 1708 started and art space started these other great galleries, which is why I called it Chaco art space. I wanted to honor the people that preceded us. So, uh, to say that there is a legacy here in history here, we want to be a part of the legacy. We don't want to mm-hmm. eclipse it and act like it it didn't exist. Yeah. There's so many artists that you meet that have lived here a long time that start to feel like they're on the outside and we want to bring those people back into focus. Um, it's like they've it's like sometimes you're treated like you've had your day already. And I think uh we wanna honor the legacy of people that have come before us. Like I think that's lost on us sometimes. So I've taken that to heart. And um and we've been responsible, so my hope is that people see like, oh, they've been responsible, like they're doing as much as they can with as little as we've had in a lot of ways, but uh, with a very clear vision. Um, and so we're looking for corporate sponsors, we're looking for local business partnerships. I mean, even if somebody can give us two hundred fifty dollars a year um, and agree to that, if we can, you know, if we can sustain at a minimum a sixty thousand dollar a year budget to start with. That would be incredible. And if we can build from there, I mean, we have larger ambitions uh, to do something that can just stay. I mean, I have like a 50, 100-year plan, you know, which would require a yeah. multi-million dollar sort of budget. But at a minimum today with a GoFundMe, we need one-time gifts. We need, um, you know, we're we're going to have membership tiers. Maybe it'll be, be from 35 bucks to 50 bucks to 200 bucks. But um, it's going to pour into something that's going to pour out. Yeah, um, and be filtered out, and we're not gonna we're not gonna hoard it. So um, yeah, I'm hopeful. I hope you know. I hope if people have questions, they can email me at ryan at chocolateartspace dot com if you're interested, and you wanna you want me to send you a link to the GoFundMe once we we get it up and running, please email me and I'll, I'll be happy to give it to you. It, I mean, basically, our I think we'll have like a video that shows us the gallery, and then shows you the space we're working in now. The additional space we've got, but I hope that that shows something you know that that we're we're progressing like it's real it's happening we're in here right now, you know in this on in this raw space that's ready to be fashioned you know and made made nice so
0: yeah definitely, and I think you know it's um there's a lot of fantastic stuff on the way, yeah, a lot of stuff is rolling um and we'd love for folks to be a part of it with us, yeah um because it is exciting and it's good and we we think that ultimately is something that benefits artists and the community and the yep. area we're in. Um, because we do want to be champions of Richmond and the fantastic
1: art scene that we have. Yes, it, yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, can we platform? Can we spotlight? I'm I'm willing to take a back seat to help further promote other people that are better front seat driver. You know that that <laughs> yeah. can handle the spotlight. I'm good at being. I, I'm down to be the backup singer. You yeah. know, or the uh, the the tech behind the curtain. I like I've always liked the Wizard of Oz, so I'm I'm cool with sort of being the bumbling guy in the back who's maybe not as as good as, as, uh, as people think, but is willing to leverage resources to make, make things happen. And um, I think some of, it, some of what we, we are trying to do is keenly successful in the enduring, persevering, sustaining aspect. So there are initiatives that start, but it's the carrying it forward. And I think from 2011 until now, carrying what we've carried forward I think says a lot about learning how to do that part right so that maybe other people don't have to do that part mm-hmm. they can they can be freed up to do their parts better by us by us helping in that area and like I said I mean there's great things like there's uh Look-See is really good and so there's really cool things happening here that provide avenues for artist talks for uh you know podcasts for uh videos and we want to strengthen the cultural milieu so that those things rise further up mm-hmm. um not to take them away not to knock them down not to compete against them so so with current art fair like if we can do things to help generate more people's interest in art then it's a win for everybody and um i get the most joy out of seeing others do well you know personally so what's at stake for me and my wife or for maybe for you and your family or whoever else is i really delight i mean as a professor i delight in seeing the lights come on for people. And I know that I would not be here if it wasn't for a legacy of people that cared for me that way. So at a minimum, it's a pay it way. It's a pay it forward kind of thinking. It's more than that, but at a minimum shorthand would say, Hey, look at how can I not, right. You know, how can I not pay it forward? Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, in the meantime, as this stuff develops, I think, you know, one of the best ways to kind of keep up with what we have going on and what's coming on the horizon is really to kind of uh, check in with us on Instagram. We're yeah. at Shaco Art Space. Uh, you can find us there. You can find us on our website at com. And like Ryan mentioned earlier, you can always uh, contact uh, the, the art space through his email, ryan at com. And we'd be happy to have conversations with you, help you uh, figure out how you know, we can either be of service to you or we can uh, come alongside you as a partner. And yeah. I think we're really looking forward to what this next chapter looks like. Yeah. It's
1: really exciting. And we, and in, in stay tuned. We got more artists talk. We have more guests coming. So we just wanted to take a break and and have a little more of a focus talk, give you a little more. We're going to eventually have a talk where I ask Gareth a bunch of questions. So you'll get to <laughs> get a better idea of who Gareth is as well. Um, and then and we'll be progressing. We got a, a, just a, a lineup of people coming that are varied greatly and, in. in live in different spheres, uh, on this podcast, Shaco Art Speak. So do, do tune in consistently because we have a lot of stuff lined up with this.
0: You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.